Welcome to the Everyday Intuition Podcast, a show for people who want to learn how to identify and trust their intuition. I'm Susan Gorman, an intuitive counselor and real-life clairvoyant, empath, and medium who's been working with people just like you for over 30 years. And friends, I just can't with the new age anymore. It's probably fair to say I never could. So fair warning, this isn't going to be a magical mystery trip through the cosmos with me as your lead astronaut, dressed in a caftan, crystal ball gazing with pan flute music in the background. Please, no. I only gaze into disco balls. I sometimes have a potty mouth, and I definitely strive for a smart-ass sense of humor. Also, it just so happens that there's a better way to learn how intuition really changes lives. It's our most natural resource. And once you discover how it works, all the amazing things start showing up to help you create a life worth living. So come join me on my mission to pull intuition out of the margins, one hunch at a time. Hi friends, happy May. I generally feel these days that time is speeding up and I was going to say, I can't believe that it's already May. And then I realized I say, I can't believe it's already fill in the blank. Tuesday, two weeks from now, it just feels like things happen fast. And I remember what it was like during the pandemic when it felt differently My experience of moments and days felt like the way we say we want to live when we're going a little slower, you know, that we had a chance to, for most of us, I realized this was not everybody's experience, but to take in our lives and, you know, live them without feeling like we were human productions, human production machines of activity and productivity So anyway, now that it feels like the world has reopened, I'm definitely aware of that feeling of trying to cram everything in. And even if we don't dress the same, we've ditched our heels, we have pants with waistbands, we we don't drive everywhere all the time. It's still that feeling of seeing a day as a commodity instead of part of our lives. So Anyway, it is beautiful out where I am. There's a cemetery near where I live where there are thousands of daffodils planted, and I make sure that we go every year. You can see this field of yellow across the river. It's so lush with daffodils, and we went this weekend and enjoyed that, and I have been very disciplined about going outside to the beach for walks and not just in my neighborhood. And I'm seeing things like grape hyacinths and the rhododendrons are starting to pop. And I call this flower drunk day drinking edition because from now until probably fall, there is going to be a new adventure in delight in the natural world for me. I am one of the fortunate people who does not have plant allergies. Like I I don't have a pollen allergy. I may get a little headachey occasionally when it's high pollen, like I can tell, but I am not driven indoors by it. And you will never, 
ever catch me taking that for granted. So anyway, hello. That is a, my big long hello to you. We are actually this month taking a little bit of a break from the heavy duty drilling down we're doing on you know dismantling new age myths and misconceptions because I wanted to do an episode with you about sleep and specifically sleep and intuition. So I'm not sleeping that great. And I am going to be 57 this year. So that is appropriate. (laughs) It is age appropriate to be entering into a new cycle of sleep, not needing as much of it, needing to be asleep at certain times of the night and having other hours be more up for grabs or optional, meaning I need to not go to bed too early even if I'm tired because my pattern tends to be that I'll wake up about 1.45 and I will either be able to fall back asleep immediately or I'm usually up till 3.30 or 4. And a bad night is when I wake up before 1 and I'm up till 5. And these happen occasionally. And I've really fought it for a long time. And it was sneaky because at the beginning of the pandemic, when my youngest wasn't needing to be at school in the morning, we didn't have to leave at 10 to 7. I was finally able to take more time in the morning to wake up. And since I am not a morning person, that was essential to my well-being. And I felt initially more well-rested than I'd ever felt since I had children. Um, But then something started to shift. And let's be clear, I believe it's primarily hormonal and just my stage of life that I may not need as much sleep anymore. But I was also reminded of this trip that we took once to the museum in Concord, Massachusetts, where I don't remember exactly what the exhibit was, but there was an exhibit where they talked about how back in the days of yore, people did not expect to sleep through the night. They didn't expect eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. And there was this time in the middle of the night, right about when I'm waking up, that for a few hours, the family would come together and they would have a snack and they would sit by the fire and they would sing or read or chit chat. And then everybody would go back to sleep and wake up in the morning and do their day. So part of what has been healing for me is to remember that the construct of sleep of eight hours all at once is actually an outgrowth of capitalism, specifically industrial capitalism, when shift work was invented. And when they started dividing our days into first, second, and third shifts, you had to get your sleep all at once or work. Those were your choices. So I'm trying to embrace this new stage in my life, but as I've been thinking about this, I have realized that there is a lot of ways in which sleep and intuition are connected, and I thought it would be fun to go over some of those things and help you approach your own sleep struggles, if you have them, in a more productive and accepting way. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I really try to just breathe and meditate for a few minutes and reframe it as something that's not a problem. Because even when I'm up from two to let's say four in the morning, 
I usually get enough sleep. It's just that it's much nicer to be awake (laughs) when, like to be fully awake and have those extra two hours to bank on. And those critical midnight to 5 a.m. hours, those are really important for me to be asleep. So when I don't have a schedule to keep, I will naturally kind of fall asleep around 10.30 or 11, and I will naturally wake up at 6. And that seems to work better for me than going to bed earlier or sleeping later. So these are just things I've learned. And again, I'm trying to come at it from the point of acceptance. However, besides physical changes and hormones and the pandemic, worry and stress can also be, of course, a major contributor to insomnia for people. Some people have a hard time going to sleep, and some people wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. And I do not want to minimize that anxiety is sneaky, and it can pop up when our defenses are down. So addressing the things that are stressing us out are really important. And I'm going to loop around to that in a second. But let's talk now about intuition and sleep. So one of the things that intuition responds to is rest. And that manifests in a lot of different ways. First of all, it's really important to live life a little bit slower. And to make sure that we have the time for things that bring us joy and pleasure and that we aren't trying to cram everything into every single waking minute. There's kind of an adrenaline that gets manufactured from being a racehorse all day long. And I don't think that that's very conducive to intuitive development. So if you follow me along on social media or read the blogs, you'll see that I refer back to this a lot where it is important to really challenge those ideas that we're being lazy if we live life a little bit more leisurely. And to really trust that the things that we are supposed to experience in this life will come to us that we are not behind schedule and we shouldn't be living our lives as if we are. The other reason why sleep and intuition are connected is that oftentimes when we have an intuitive growth spurt, we will find ourselves becoming a little sleepier. And that's because I believe the brain does as much restoration during sleep as does the body, maybe even more so. I'm not an expert, but this is a hunch I have. There's something else that happens at night. And that is that I call it that the veil thins, but I also feel like our resistance drops and our distractions fall away. Unless you live in a big city or an urban area, it's probably more quiet at night where you are. I'm always (laughs) reminded of one of my favorite movies, My Cousin Vinny, where he goes out into the sticks to defend, I think, his nephew from some trumped up charges. And he has to bring with him a recording of what it sounds like outside his window in New York to sleep with all the the honking and the noises and the swearing and the traffic because he cannot abide the stillness. So going with that, it is sometimes the case that we fill our lives with a lot of distraction and that adrenaline and that living at that pace. One of the things that it can do is become a habituated form of numbness to our feelings. 
And if you're able to do that with your emotions, you are most definitely able to do that with your intuition. So quiet and less stimulation is not always something that feels comfy to us. It can feel threatening and it can feel really uncomfortable to be face-to-face with our emotional reality and or our gut feelings, our intuitive senses about things. And we might be able to outrun those for the whole day. But I guarantee you, once you fall asleep and things become quiet, literally and figuratively, if you are attempting to work through something, you will most likely pop up in the middle of the night. Now, I also know that there are some people that are able to kind of sleep as an escape. That kind of sleepiness usually manifests during the day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when your intuition knows that it can reach you. It can do that actively by you suddenly have all these feelings, emotional feelings and intuitive senses and downloads and truths that you know and want to own, but maybe can't, it'll just whoosh to the surface and wake you up. Your intuition also knows that it can reach you through dreams. And that's important because if you do have an active dream life where you are able to remember your dreams, I have two little pieces there for you. First of all, I don't believe you have to keep an extensive dream journal. If you have one of those page a day calendars, You can even use the backside of those pages and just write down a few keywords or phrases because the dreams that are important for you to remember are the ones you remember. You do not have to worry about losing the threads within the first hour that you're awake or in the middle of the day. But those dreams will contain multitudes. They will reflect back to you what you are feeling emotionally. They will tell you about what's important to you. They will show you where your efforts to create a meaningful life that is happy, joyous, and free might be going in the wrong direction. They will tell you about who you can trust. They can tell you about yourself and your relationship with yourself, and they can also be prophetic. They can help you communicate with the people that you love. And they will give you the clues, if you pay attention to them, to how to position yourself to be in the right place at the right time as much as is humanly possible. So your dreams are a very rich resource to you. But your intuition will also wake you up if you have been ignoring it all day. The other thing that can get you up at night is if the person that you sleep next to or around or in the same house with is very stressed out. So you can be actually doing very well, but this is one of the reasons why I talk about codependency all the time. And that is if we are carrying the emotional experience of someone else as if it's our own, and we do this as intuitive empaths, we pick up stuff automatically And I always remind you guys, you are not responsible for what you pick up. That is a human impulse. It's a human skill that we want. We want to be able to be empathic with each other. We want to be able to enter into the lived experience of another person. But you might need to put it down 
in a regular and sometimes methodical way, like before you go to bed. Absorbing other people's stress can sometimes reflect a value system that is riddled with codependency. And I'm going to explain to you why that is something that you don't necessarily want to value. Like codependency is one of the biggest blocks to intuition that you will find. So pause on that one. I think my dog, Pouncy, is starting to snore. He's having a delightful nap right next to me, and I just heard a snort. I mean, I'm hoping actually that that this does happen. So A, people will believe me when I say that he has a very active dream life. I'm trying to look over my shoulder to see if he's starting to twitch. He chases squirrels by the dozens in his sleep, which is very sweet because he's 15 years old and very creaky. So if he's having fun chasing in his sleep, then go for it, buddy. Um, But he also snorts like a pig. (laughs) And it can be very um, operatic. (laughs) So maybe we'll all get treated to that. One can hope. Okay, where was I? Yes, we were talking about absorbing people's stress. So if you actually are going to bed feeling great, you had a great day, you know, you feel like you're in touch with your feelings, you feel like you got some stuff intuitively and you wrote it down, or at least you acknowledged it to yourself, but then suddenly you're waking up in the middle of the night really, really worried or stressed out, and you're not quite sure why, it can be because of what's happening next to you or in the other room. So I'm going to address that. Um, But I just want to say it can happen. So I definitely had an experience with that where I was having a really good run, helping myself kind of go back to sleep when I woke up with meditation. And I was making sure that I was taking care of myself intuitively and emotionally during the day. And one night I woke up at 11.15. Okay, so I had only been asleep like for an hour and a half at that point, maybe two hours. My heart was pounding out of my chest and I just knew, okay, this is going to require the spare bedroom. I'm going to need to go and just turn the light on, maybe get my journal out, maybe read again some more, but this is, I am not going to be able to just go back to sleep in a few minutes. And I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find the worry. I was, I was, you know, searching through all of the things that might be bothering me. I went through each of our five children. And by the time I got to number three or four, I thought, Susan, this is madness. Like, don't court trouble. (laughs) Don't look for something to worry about. It feels like as I scanned each kiddo, I was like, you know what? I think, I think, I don't think that's the thing. But what I neglected to do was complete the cycle. And in the morning, when I came back to bed, I, you know, I came into the bedroom and Bill was like, oh, I didn't even hear you get up and leave, which is good because one of my anxiety things is that when I toss and turn, if I'm keeping him up, it feeds that whole restlessness. I get worried about his sleep. (laughs) I told you. Codependency is not great. Um, But, like, as a kind partner, I want him to get a good night's sleep too. So, I don't want him worrying about my sleep while I'm worrying about his sleep. (laughs) Like, uh, you guys. Anyway, I came in. I said, Good morning. He's like, How bad was it? I'm like, It was a really bad night. 
I couldn't figure out why. And he told me when we get through the shower and everything, I have a, I have a text I need to read you from one of the youngest. I was like, okay, let me just read it now. And it came in at 1130. So literally 15 minutes after I woke up in a panic, one of our kids was going through something really hard and was dealing with someone who was being really thoughtless and mean to them. And that is a trigger for me. I thought to myself, oh my God, I could feel it happening. The energy between us was alerting me that something was going on. And I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Later that afternoon, the penny finally dropped, a light bulb went off over my head. And what I realized is, oh my gosh, they know that Bill puts his phone on do not disturb every night. So after a certain point, he's not reachable. And I keep my phone pretty much on because I don't usually hear things when they come through. If I feel like I really need, like it is absolutely imperative that nothing interrupts me, I will put it on do not disturb or as like an exercise in faith that the world can turn on its own without my help. And I thought to myself, I wonder if this kiddo, I wonder if this leaked through because this kiddo needs to know that if they can't get a hold of one of us, the other, you know, like if they can't get a hold of Bill, they can, they can reach out to me. So I made sure I let them know that. Another story that you might find interesting is that one of my very long-term clients, when I first met her, she would wake up in a sweat, a panicked sweat in the hallway between her bedroom and the rest of the house with a baseball bat in her hand armed for battle. She could not explain why this would happen. It was so terrifying to her. She had these night terrors as a grown-ass adult, right? And when I tuned into her, I thought to myself, oh, okay, I know what's going on. So our guides, our spirit guides, their energy vibrates at a little different frequency than ours. And I realize this is deeply, deeply woo language. So I'm not quite sure how to explain it any other way, though. What I know is that when I'm in touch with guides, I kind of feel like my heart races when they bump up against me, kind of like if you saw a hummingbird and it landed in your hand and their wings kept oscillating, that's what happens when our guides come to us. They are completely benevolent, by the way. And what they will do is they'll kind of tune us up. They make sure that our energy stays as balanced as possible, that if we actually are working actively to surrender things that are not ours. They kind of whisk them away. They send us love. They send us at a boy, at a girl, at a person's. They do lovely adjustments to us spiritually in the nighttime. And when those beings bump up against us, I realize, you know, I'm just thinking, sitting here thinking, I, I don't know if this is going to be helpful because some of you are going to go to bed tonight and go, holy crap, I didn't even realize they could do that. Now I'm not going to sleep all night (laughs) worrying that some being is going to come at me and start tuning up my chakras in the middle of the night. And I deeply apologize, but it must be said. 
there will probably be more of you that will sleep better for me giving you this information than those of you who will be upset enough by it that you will not sleep well. So if you fall into either category, just please email me. We will work it out together. I promise. I owe you one. If I have rocked your world in any way that feels unhelpful, but it still remains true that when I explain this to this client that like, oh, I see what's happening. You are sensitive physically to the energy of your guides coming in to help you out. It's like a spiritual car wash, right? You put your ethereal body and your emotional body through this energy vortex that they create and you wake up all shiny and new, Um, or at least feeling like you can untangle some of your own knots. They do that as well. And she slept awesome after that. All I needed to do was explain it to her. And I met her mother at a gathering that she held a couple weeks after that. And I remember she turned her mom and said, mom, this is Susan. And her mom just threw her arms around me (laughs) because everyone was sleeping so much better. Okay. So there's that anecdote. All right, my hummingbird friends, after the break, I'm going to give you some really tactical and strategic things to do to work on a really good intuitive balance so that you can sleep well at night. Hey, did you know I have online courses you can take? I do. Intuition 101 is a self-paced downloadable course that's for anyone looking to begin or strengthen their relationship with their own intuition. I developed this course because nearly all of my clients have one thing in common, a real yearning to be able to recognize and trust their own intuition. Learning how is simple, but it takes an expert guide. Gee, I wonder if we know anyone. Yeah, I've got you. It's important to understand the underlying ways our beliefs about intuition shape how we experience it and also how many myths and misconceptions we cling to that end up keeping us stuck. In this course, I guide you through the first steps you need to take towards creating a solid foundation for yourself. Check it out at my website, www.susangorman.net. Okay, we're back. So here's the thing. If you aren't sleeping well at night, if you have done everything, if you have practiced acceptance, if you've stopped fighting, if you have reduced your caffeine intake, if you have done all the physical things and you're pretty convinced that you've reached a threshold, there's not that much you can do physically. There are some things you can do to ensure a peaceful night that have to do with addressing emotions and intuition. And here's the key. It's what you're doing during the day it's not necessarily what's happening at night. And, you know, believe me, I don't think I have like the most perfect sleep hygiene. I even freaking hate that phrase because I am not a person who does the exact same thing in the exact same way every single night. And I've read all the articles now, right? And that's what they say that you need to do. And you're not supposed to do anything in your bed, but sleep. And you blah, blah, blah. And not everything works anyway, but I don't do the same things in the same way all the time. And I don't think that that is necessarily the only way to practice good sleep hygiene. And doesn't sleep hygiene just sound stupid? It just sounds stupid to me. 
sleep habits would probably land better with me. You can tell I'm a little, I'm a little cranky about it. I'm a little rebellious. Intuitively and emotionally speaking, what you do during the day, well before bedtime, is when I think you can make the biggest impact on a good night's sleep. So first of all, I think feeling your feelings during the day, right? And there are so many roadblocks and impasses that you will like face during the day. If you have a job that has a lot of pressure, a lot of deadlines, you know, more work than can easily be performed by you and your team. If you have a toxic boss, if you have a toxic work environment, if you hate your job, all of those things are not conducive to taking an emotions break during the day. So believe me, I understand that. But I also want you to try anyway. And the way you do it is very gently and very lightly. I'm talking 10 minutes tops. You can set a watch reminder that on the hour at every hour, you just close your eyes, you take a couple deep breaths and you just identify, what am I feeling now? Am I happy? Am I sad? Am I angry? Do I feel lonely? Do I feel guilty? Do I feel ashamed? You can have more than one feeling at once, right? So just run some scales for five minutes. If you have time, get a notebook, a small notebook, not a big eight by 10 notebook, but just call it your feelings journal. And then maybe once a day for 10 minutes, write down in one or two sentences, the things that you felt the strongest about that day. What this does is it moves that emotion from one file to another. Instead of the file that's like, I'll deal with this later, this is too much, you move it into, this is part of my lived experience, this is part of my moments. And that will take a lot of pressure off your nighttime self. The other thing I recommend is fresh air. If you can get outside for a walk, if you have a lot of feelings that come up outside, which most of us do, we just sort of release them to the air, you will resist this. Um, But I think getting in motion and running those emotional scales and getting touch with ourselves like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it makes it a lot easier later. If you are sleeping next to someone who you know is going through a hard time, or if, like in my case, you tend to, as an intuitive empath, automatically pick up the lived experience of other people, there are some things you can do. Like before bed, what I do is I run through the chakras. That's great imagery. I like working with that. And I just clean them out. And anybody who's in there, who's not me, Everybody who's in there who's not me is anyone who's not me. So, okay, just forgive me. But when I used to see lots and lots and lots of clients in a weekend when I would travel, at the end of that weekend, I would try to go to the beach or to someplace beautiful in nature. If I couldn't go swimming because it was too cold or whatever, I would stand at the edge of the ocean and, and imagine everyone and give them a standing ovation. And I would send them into like the most beautiful sunrise or sunset and say, I absolutely have complete faith in you. I think there's this thing that we do where we think that assistance means interference. This is the crux of codependency, is that we believe that we must do things for others because they can't do them for themselves. And that's where I think we end up carrying 
an emotional burden that is, and an intuitive burden that is really violating of the what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours boundary. So sleeping next to someone or in the same house as someone who's having a really hard time means that we get used to releasing them to their highest good and that we were going to assist in that. We are going to hold space for the love we have for them and the feelings that they're going through, but we are not going to interfere. And I realize that this is probably like a really radical topic. We're not used to thinking this way. Energetic boundaries also include that if you have guides that seem to be waking you up in the middle of the night, you put up a sign that you imagine, you can even write it out and put it on your bedside table that says business hours only, please. And I've had a sign like this up a lot and they don't usually come crashing through it. Um, They usually have a really good reason to if they do, but I pretty much say like any message that you guys need to give to me, you can give me when I wake up business hours only. These are things that you can do to nurture your emotional and intuitive self so that your sleeping hours are as peaceful as possible. And when all else fails, like I said, I don't run 100% tight ship on this one. I have defaulted to acceptance and I have learned how to, you know, if I am woken up in a really strange way, or unusual way, I do some reflecting on it during the day to find out, is there something that I'm supposed to do, a message that I'm supposed to carry to someone or an expression of love that I'm supposed to participate in? And, you know, we just sort of fumble along here. Every night that I'm asleep from the moment that my reading time is done, and by the way, reading in bed is something that does a great job for me. So I always read before I go to bed fiction. I like to get my brain working on that. I also do the thing where I stop screens an hour before bedtime and I try not to answer emails or do things that churn up a lot of emotion. So what you want to do is like quiet that emotional self. So one last thing, right? It's not going to be perfect. Your emotional self and your intuitive self are very similar in a lot of ways what they share is that they are both equally marginalized and oppressed in this world. Even carving out just a few minutes a day to acknowledge that those pieces of you are important and they exist will help. And the other thing is our emotional selves and our intuitive selves sometimes feel like the most vulnerable, sacred parts of us, and we tend to make them dangerous, remember? working on that belief system to understand that intuition is not rare. It's not unreliable. It's not dangerous. It is my most natural resource and it is here to help me. Is another way that you can help smooth the path to a good night's sleep. So nighty night friends, I always want to hear from you. I've been delighted to hear from lots of you lately. I always want to know your questions and what you want to hear about on the podcast. And I am now going to go on my walk and live my life today with stuff like that built in so that maybe tonight I will have a good night and at the very least, not a bad night, but I'm going to go to sleep with a full and open heart. And I encourage you to do the same. 
I'll see you next time. And that's it for this episode of Everyday Intuition. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. But until then, could you do me a solid, friends? Could you help get the word out about Everyday Intuition? There are a few ways that you can help more people find this podcast. And the most important is to subscribe to it on whatever podcast app you use. Feel free to rate, review, and share the show on Instagram too. And tag me at Susan Gorman Intuitive. Did you know I was going to ask you for that favor? Yeah, well, probably not your intuition this time since everybody does that, but you're getting there. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.